Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is the time of the year when we hear of families trying to put together those Christmas gifts. And whenever they get those gifts, they have to put together the gifts according to the instructions that are provided. Believe it or not, this could be a very difficult task, even with instructions. Well, today we have someone who executes plans for a living. He makes it his goal to make sure that every organization that employs them, that brings them in, has the expertise and the leadership to make sure these projects get done. We want to welcome Ben Chen, the founder of Climb Consulting, as he's the host also of the Chaos Cafe podcast. As a management consultant, he believes that delivering results is more than just being on time and being on budget. It needs to be tied to leadership, he says. Business value, coordinated action, understanding, and the empowerment of the people necessary to grow and perform that task. He's modeled this over dozens of projects for his clients where he hopes to continue this project managers or at least helping project managers become authentic project leaders and assisting organizations to exceed expectations. We want to welcome Ben Chen to the Twins Talking Up program. How are you doing, Ben? Good. Thanks so much for having me on the show, David. It's awesome to be here. That's fantastic. So from time to time, as David and I speak, We'll try to let our audience know who's the one speaking, specifically now that we're both in the same room uh, together, which is a, a rarity to be in the same place. <laughs> at the same time. So Ben, tell our audience, what was it that was a reason behind you starting your organization called Climb? And then why now? Why, why mm -hmm. is this such a big uh, need today in the industry? And what do you believe is important in, when you help these organizations? Because every organization has issues with budget, Every organization has an issue with time. Every organization has an issue with scope of work. There's so many things going on. Why start climbing? Why start now? Absolutely. Those are some great questions. And for me, starting climb, it was originally just being a management consultant and having control of my own destiny, being able mm -hmm. to make decisions for myself instead of for someone else. But I was still very much involved inside of the project management space. But what I tend to still observe was that I was called in to go and help rescue a lot of different projects. So let's just say they weren't necessarily in the best state. And yet I was being called in to be able to try and organize it and deliver it to the end. Now, the funny thing for me is that within those projects and the industries that they reside in, I'm actually not a subject matter expert in them. So if you look at, say, fintech, banking, and energy, all of these things, I've had my experiences in them, but I'd be no means to say, yes, I'm a supply chain expert, or I'm a contract expert in all these things. And it really prompted me to go and think about, well, why me? What is it that I'm able to go and help clients with to go and deliver, even though I lack a lot of that expertise? 
And that question really brought me back to understanding how am I showing up for the client? How am I showing up to the team? And how do we continue to go and ensure that that value is delivered? And really my mission, as I thought about it a little bit more, is not to hire me to go and help rescue this projects, right? It's more so to enable other project managers to exhibit that authentic project leadership so that they don't have to call me. They can go and run it themselves and do it just as well as I can or, or do it, you know, world-class project management and they can go and deliver it and not have to call me to do it because I'll be honest, I don't, there's only so many of me and only so many hours in a day. And, you know, I think there's a lot of value to be delivered by the different project managers. They just need to have, I think, some of the practical training and experience to be able to go and help these projects, whether it be personal or corporate, to get them out the door. Right. You're absolutely right. And one of the things that I, I would say, this is Danny, by the way, to the audience, uh, being in the IT industry now for so long, and I won't tell you how many years, but it's in the decades. We know that with all the projects that happen every single day, that it is very important, not only for the supplier and the vendor, but also internal IT staff to coordinate work together in order to make sure that implementations are done on time, to make sure that people are able to utilize the products that they just purchased on time. Otherwise they're wasting money because technical people cost a lot of money, specifically when you're outsourcing it to another services firm. So when it comes to project management, there are many methodologies that are out there today. And my favorite, of course, agile methodology, but you have the agile methodology, scrum methodology, Kanban methodology, lean methodology, so many methodologies and so many different ways to accomplish something, specifically when you have multiple moving parts. And as we all know, if you wait until one part is done before another part can take off and that one part's behind, you're gonna have nothing but delays. And we see that all the time when we look at highway construction. So how do you know, Ben, when you're sitting with the client, what, met, what methodology is really gonna be the best for that client? And what methodology is gonna really help that client make sure they complete that project on time on task and within budget? Well, I think it all starts with the strategic alignment, right? Of what are you trying to go and achieve? And that can be tangible, but also even from a larger piece of what is the vision you're trying to go and, and, and reach for? Because, I mean, I'll be honest, sometimes some of these projects start up and they're not actually aligned to what the vision and the strategy are, but you are tasked to go and deliver the project. And if your project is out of alignment, and yes, you can bend over backwards doing all the somersaults you want, but in the end, it's all for naught because you're not delivering what you are truly trying to go and drive for, right? And that's where, you know, from a leadership perspective is, is build, being able to build that view of zooming in and zooming out constantly and being able to ensure that, hey, I am I trying to go and drive to the right goals that... We're, we're trying to go and reach. And when we go back to the question of which methodology is best for that, I, I think, you know, again, when we look at this, the, the goal of what you're trying to do is examining how does that all come together, right? So software is definitely its own beast, right? There's always bugs and things that kind of come up. If we look at construction, there's also deficiencies and, and whatnot. But when we look in, say, large capital projects, sometimes you can't put on like even let's say building a house, you can't put on the roof until you know that the foundation is in, 
right? You can't build all those things. There's up to a certain point you can, but at some points you, you can't either, right? So it's understanding what the impact is on just the work. But I think even more important is also how you look at the people, right? And the impacts of stakeholders. Um, one, you know, some interesting instances have been that you have an organization trying to implement new processes. The processes aren't exactly set yet. And there might be a thought, hey, you know what? Let's go and implement Agile for this. And the processes are changing every other week. And they're like, well, what am I supposed to be doing? And they get into change fatigue and they're then lost wondering, what am I supposed to be doing? Because it's constantly changing. And in some cases, an Agile piece doesn't work. It's like, let's have a pilot group, solidify it, and then, we're, and then we finalize, right? So there's lots of different aspects that need to be looked at beyond just the strict, I say, I say deliverable dependencies. And this is David, I appreciate you sharing that. And I love how you don't have to be married to one position, be so fixated on one strategy and say, this is gonna be my approach, my methodology, and that's it. But the reality is you have to be flexible in light of what we've been through with this health pandemic, understanding that companies change, organizations shift, people come in and out of systems. You've got to be flexible in that. And that's what makes your role as a project manager so amazing because you have to look at the entire picture and not just on one little part of the project or what you would call my zone, my focus. But let me ask you this question. When it comes to looking at being brought in, bringing your expertise, advising these organizations, are you ever asked for your insight on what type of team members to bring in, or are you asked to be involved in the hiring of, a, a, let's say a program director or another project manager? How often are you brought in from the very beginning the onset to assemble a team? I'll say honestly, very rarely, but it's also from the perspective of, and, and this is to me maybe a um, narrow-sighted view of how project management fix, fits in, is that, you know, when I'm brought in, they already say, this is what we want you to go and do. But when I bring the leadership role and blend it in with a lot of, we'll say the strict project management processes and things like that, then they start to ask me these other questions, right? And they start asking, you know, what do we think we need to go and help execute these projects better? What do we need to go, who do we need to have in place to be able to guide a lot of these portfolios or programs and things like that, right? And it's all, I would almost say, aside from the project manager role, per se. So it's interesting because for me, I've actually worked more as a management consultant for most of my career. And project management was something that I've always had to implement as part of my, the delivery of client deliverables, right? Hey, there's an engagement, we need to go and have it planned and things like that. And so I've always acted as a project manager to help deliver management consulting engagements. And so when I start thinking about blending a lot of those two elements together, that's when it gets into larger expansive discussions, right? Whether it be about, you know, larger governance of programs and projects as a whole, and rather than just for the project itself, right? they start to go and see the value of almost the consulting leadership mindset inside of the project management space. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, 
Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. And this is Dave. I want to do a little follow-up to that, and I'm, I'm glad you're touching on this. But before I get into my next question, I'm going to ask kind of a setup question, if that's all right with you. Sure. And I've heard you before speak, and you've shared something from this approach, and I'm just going to throw it out there. Ben, who is your favorite comedian? <laughs> Mine is Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr. I got I got two of them that I listen to. Yep. I love Dave Chappelle, but the reason <laughs> I ask, this is what you do in your profession. You ask this question often to learn or at least understand the people you're going to be working with. And understand their personality, what they find to be humorous what you can use in terms of really getting the best out of them, motivating them. So I, I just had to set you up with it because I, I'm going to put this back on you, the question you ask everybody else. Uh, so Ben, I, I want to do this question. Here's what I was really want to get to here is what are some of the factors that a leader should consider when they're trying to put together or assemble a team for a specific project? Uh, and, and, and then the second point to that, or at least the follow-up to that is what if you can't choose your team? Yeah. Yeah, so let's first go with a scenario that you can choose a team. And a lot of the time you're looking for skills, experience, all of the things that you want to go and have to technically deliver the project. The other harder piece to be able to gauge is fit and, and coaching. And I don't, I'm going to assume for the most part that your listeners have a lot of experience listening to Simon Sinek and, and the leadership talks that he brings, but even when he talks about how a team fits together, it's more important of how the team fits and gels to be able to grow than it is to have the absolute top of the class guy on there 
but he's a loner or just doesn't play well with others, right? And so being able to understand how that team mindset comes into play with new team, with building a new team is obviously very important. And if we shift the focus onto where you can't choose the team, it's then finding where can you find a lot of these commonalities, right? Where is it that they can go and rally behind? And it could be as simple as, you know, it's the project vision, it's the goal, we're all working to achieve it, high five, right? That's probably the easiest one to go around, but there's probably a lot of other things that you can't. And so you need to find out and investigate a little bit more of like, what is it that makes these people resonate? And even regardless of whether I'm choosing the team or whether it's assigned to me, is also understanding where are their growth goals? And this is an interesting piece because a lot of projects, when they view it as delivery, it's just go on here, go and get the stuff done and be done with it, right? Rather than understanding, well, how does this also fit into their personal development? Because this is, this is going to sound a little bit, I don't know, hokey, but projects and project delivery, project management is all about making dreams come true. All right. Hold that for a second. Okay. Because strategy in itself is all about, you know, what the executives or the organization has dreamed up as this is what our dreams are. This is what we want to go and achieve. And you can get a PowerPoint deck from McKinsey or Deloitte, Boston Consulting, whatever it is, right? That's kind of saying, all right, now here it is in a nice PowerPoint slide deck. But it doesn't mean anything until you make it happen. And the only way that you're making it happen is actually through projects. And so my philosophy is that if more organizations looked at project management, project management more as almost dream delivery, and the people on it are all about delivering these dreams, right, then they have an opportunity to grow as well. And so if I see a project coordinator and, you know, I'm asking, what are your aspirations? What do you want to reach? It's like, well, I want to go in. I do want to be a project manager in, in the future and things like that. would be great. I have a few things I can, I can teach you along the way to be able to do it, but I want you to go and see if you want to own these pieces. And it, it becomes uh, a discussion as to like, how can I help them rise up too? And even if it's for developers and such, it's like, well, maybe you're not a, you're an intermediate developer, but you want to reach that next level of being a senior developer. All right, well, what skills do you want to learn? Tell you what, these stories, user stories are maybe a little bit more difficult. I want you to try and take them on. And the hard part really then is gauging at what point does that impact performance, right? Because you still got your sprint runs that you need to go and do. You want to make sure you're getting those story points under the belt. And obviously, if it's someone not as experienced, they're probably not going to have as, as, uh, as high of a velocity, right? It could bring the velocity down a little bit. But the concept is also there of like, but they could actually improve your velocity further down the road, depending on the runway of the project, right? So to me, the, the opportunity for success is not just about personal skill, but it's also about providing others the opportunity. And, I appreciate that. I think so many times we, we look at these job applications, for example, and they say, must have 10 years of experience for an entry-level role. And then you say, well, how do I get this? How do, how do I get this experience? And so when you think about these larger projects that have a lot of 
interaction, a lot of communication. You have a young person or a person that, that is trying to learn more and state, hey, I want to become a project manager. I would like to do more. That's fantastic because you want that mentality. Because as you mm -hmm. said with Simon Sinek earlier, you can get the best person in the room, but maybe that person doesn't gel with other people. So it's actually going to be a detriment to the team, not, a, not something that's going to be good for the team. So I love to hear when people say, hey, can I learn more? Hey, can I do more? Hey, I, I'm interested in learning more. I love people like that. I'll give you all the information you can absorb because you're going to be eager. You're going to think outside the box. You're going to find ways to take the project put in front of you and run with it even faster. So let me ask you, with this pandemic going on, with so many employees being allowed to work from home, and now with this hybrid methodology with some employees coming back, have you seen this affect projects? Have you seen it enhance projects? Have you seen communication get better? Uh, how has this inhibited or been beneficial for project planning and actually completing these wish lists that people may have in order to complete something? No, that's a great question. Cause I think even outside of just project delivery, it's just operations of an organization, right? Has all been impacted. And the one thing I would think, you know, hands down, no one can really argue with is we've destroyed the myth that you can't work remotely. Mm, that's right? right. We've, we have been able to go and continue life. Life still goes on. It's different, but remote work, it can be done. And I think for the longest time, even for project management and inside of the consulting world was that you can't do that remotely, mm -hmm. right? So that is dispelled now. And so if anything, opportunity is now worldwide for both organizations and for people looking for work, right? They can work, if they wanna work in the Italian time zone or something like that, sure, go ahead. If they wanna work in the UK, you know, so long as all the contractual pieces are all figured out, you know, that opportunity is there for people. And if you want to hire people in other places to do remote work, that's, you know, open up for the world as, as well. But I think for me, the, the hardest part with having the remote work is the ability for, I would say, the creative discussions. Because there's so much that I feel like is, is missing to be able to boost a lot of that creativity. And even for project planning, and I know this is kind of a uh, maybe a weird space, but it's like the planning activity of being able to solve problems or like, what should we do next? And having sticky notes on a whiteboard that everyone's shifting and drawing all over it you know, saying, no, nah, don't do this. Let's try and do this. Hey, what if we added this thing here, right? Being inside of that physical meeting room and being able to talk out these ideas is something that's a, a lot more difficult now, right? People have to, I don't know, I guess somewhat use their imagination more to envision what you're thinking, but that alignment might, might not be there because you're not necessarily forming that same image in your head. Um, but I think the, the productivity for some definitely from a mental health perspective, that's been able to go up. And when I look at just how projects are being able to be delivered, I'd say it's been puts and takes that still keep it relatively the same, but the stresses and the risks that are occurring now have to be managed very, very differently to be able to go and deliver, right? There's some advantage to just having developers all in the same room, right? Inside of, you know, that's the foundation for, for Scrum of 
you guys are in there and you guys are bonding and building that trust, right? All of the mindset pieces that come into play for, for agile and you're doing it digitally just isn't necessarily the same because when you, especially, I don't know how employees take it, but if I go and text someone on, on chat or something like that saying, Hey, you got a second to talk. That could be a very scary message. <laughs> they can look at it and be like, oh my gosh, what does he want, right? There's so much mystery behind it. And you're losing a lot of that tone and things like that where, you know, you come up to someone and say, hey, let's go grab a coffee, right? It's a very different feel that you can't build that bond necessarily with. So yeah, it's, it's, it's up and down. And I think it really depends again on the project and your team on how they deliver. I agree. This is Danny once again, and I, I want to go back to the, the the remote work aspect, as you said. Now with the remote aspect, you, you said that it has been proven that it can be done, which is phenomenal. And Microsoft had did this study, and there's other organizations have done studies that shown that employees are actually more productive, right? They're spending less time traveling, there's less stress, they can get more work done. Unfortunately, sometimes they mean they take less breaks because they're sitting behind their desk and they stay there until the work gets done. But one of the things I think is very important, and I would like you to comment on this, Ben, is that when people are working remotely or even in the office, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's the clarity of the communication. It's the ability, as you said earlier, hey, you got a minute? So how important is it in project management to be very clear on your messaging, to be very clear on your speech so that everybody understand what the expectations are there's no doubt there's no fear they really understand they get it how much more important is it today specifically with this remote work going on to be very clear on what you say well that almost sounds like a rhetorical question because i think the answer is obvious <laughs> it it is so important to have that clarity now i was at the last pmi conference uh, in our area for southern alberta and one of the key pieces was just building clarity mm. within your team, whether it's within your team or your organization, that clarity is an absolute must at this point, because to your point, we're missing so many different elements that we as people use as forms of communication. And by taking away a lot of these things, and it's like, now you're reading it. Well, how are you reading it? And even having the voice chat and all those kind of things, trying to go and trick your brain to be like, I am having a human interaction and not a screen interaction. It's very difficult. And so even now I'd say the writing communication is even more important that we need to kind of get back to because we're, I want to say a lot of us are still might be ingrained in some of the text lingo and things like that, where things are used, used shorthand, LOL, right? that we all of a sudden need to go back and tidy up our ability to go and communicate with each other to make sure that there's no miscommunications on what are my expectations? What do I want done? How do we work together, right? Uh, I remember one instance, we were trying to go and set up meetings and this one we were trying to go and have a weekend dry cut over, practice about a bunch of different things so that we're ready for the next week. And one of the guys just kind of said, oh, well, I'll, I'll, you know, I should be able to make it. Now, the key word there is should. 
<laughs> so what actually happened? Did they make it or did they not? And it turns out they did have a conflict and they weren't able to go and make it, but they never followed up on the communication afterwards. And so the language of what's being used and the expectations of what's being done needs to be very clear. Otherwise, your whole team, your whole project could be in complete jeopardy because you can't communicate. Even from the last, uh, from the PMI studies on, you know, pulse of the profession, their surveys, they, you look at all the different reasons for project failure. And I would say 40% when you look down at the root cause of it is communication, whether it's with stakeholders, sponsors, within the team, some form of communication is involved in that. And that has been the cause of those failures. Yeah, this is David, Ben. I'm glad you said that. And I, I want to kind of touch on something that I think you both are alluding to here is not that clarity uh, is important itself. It's being able to understand what's being said, what's being conveyed. And I love how we're trying to make, make this as simple as we can. Dan and I had on our program some time ago an air traffic controller. And we posed the question of, well, what if you're from a different country? What if you have a different accent? And literally lives are in the balance. You can't afford misunderstandings. And so there is a flight lingo. There is a universal way of saying things so that there isn't a misunderstanding. And then there's always a, a repeat back, right? And I've been married for a few years. We're married here. We're like, I, my wife will say something and then I'll repeat it back. So you're saying this, and, and I'm not trying to be a parent. I'm just trying to convey, I understand. And so even with the shift, you have to be clear. But let's, let me ask this when it comes to what you're doing. As a project manager, or at least when you're consulting project managers, we're not just talking about getting the job done. We're actually talking about people and leadership. And we're talking about leadership demonstrated in how you communicate with the individual or with those team members. So what are some strategies or tips you would give in terms of how to help hold these team members accountable or how to help them to stay on task with what they're doing? I think the word I would use is integrity. And that to me is not me telling them, you have to do this. It's about engagement and having them understand this is what we need to get done. Does this all make sense? Is it reasonable? And if it's not reasonable, what can we try and strive for, right? And having them agree to it and really then it's flipped the other way. It's them saying, I will do this for you. And so rather than, rather than me just barking out orders and saying, this is what you're gonna go and follow, it's the team agreeing saying, this is what we're going to get done. And whether it's from an individual perspective and, and they commit to me to say, I will have that done next week with the following, you know, tests completed or whatever it might be, right? It's very different than me saying, I want you to get this done with these tests completed. And so it's almost as a project leader is to go in and flip that around from a management side of saying, I need you to go and do this and have instead have them go and commit to what they're going to do for that portion of work. Yeah, this is David, Ben. And I'm going to tell you as an executive coach, what you're sharing, or at least that approach to leading individuals, we talk about integrity, it's getting them to own what they say they're gonna do. So as a coach, I don't go in there and tell them what they should do. I'm talking to C-suite members, owners of businesses. I'm not gonna tell them what to do. What I want to happen in our conversation is for them to tell me when they're going to get it done and how they're gonna go about it. 
And then that's how I help them to stay accountable. That's how I encourage them. Yesterday, I was in a room of about 12 business owners, and we're talking about ending 2021. What are we going to do? And so my natural question was, okay, guys, we all have these great ideas in this room, and I appreciate you guys sharing that with me. What are the steps to get it done? And be, uh, the dates you're going to make sure this happens by. And so one by one, I could, I'm going to do it this way, that way. Here's my date. Great. You said it. I'm going to hold you accountable to it. Or I'm going to follow up with you on it. Or I even ask them for permission. How much can I hold you accountable to this? So what does accountability look like for you? And so we want to make sure we clear the air and everything's laid on the table so that there isn't a misunderstanding or for them to come back, oh, Dave, you didn't really help me, right? It's me getting in a position to coach them, to guide them, because I want them, as you said, everyone to feel the sense of success. We're making their dreams come true. We want them to feel like they're developing as leaders, not just a project being accomplished. So I appreciate you sharing that, Ben. No, no problem. And I think, you know, with business owners and such, they, there is that, I would say, almost propeller head syndrome. There's so many different ideas and how do you narrow it down to be able to actually execute? And project management is really providing that focus for delivery, right? Of this is the idea that I'm going to go and bring to life. And this is a team that's going to go and do it. And this is the guy we got to organize all these people so that they get it done right and that's how i view it and i know those of you that aren't necessarily on video i got iron man behind me i'm wearing a justice league shirt it's a very purposeful to be able to say that the team that you bring in is going to be a group of superheroes who are going to bring your dreams to life danny i want to um, continue a little bit more about that communication as dave was talking about earlier with the room full of business owners um what I'd like to do, and I typically will do with C-level executives or VPs is sit down and do their executive summary, right? For other individuals a little bit lower than that, I'll have a very detailed long out plan, how to do it, what to do, why you do it, who to communicate, how you communicate. Do you also, in your world of project management, have a different methodology in how you communicate with decision makers, leaders, C-suite compared to uh, what I call the grunt workers who are actually making the dream come true? Well, I think part of it is understanding what are the expectations of the different levels, right? Because even if we talk about C-suite VP level, sometimes it's trying to understand what is it that you're actually looking for? What are the things that you care about that help guide your decisions, right? Because, you know, they're the decision makers, they need to go and have an understanding of what is all the data that I need in order to be able to guide it properly, right? And if they can't make decisions, then now they're stuck, right? And I also want to say, you know, there's that cost of the waffle. When you waffle on decisions, it's not at, it's not free. <laughs> the cost of the waffle will continue to go and increase. So if you want to envision, you know, you're at IHOP or wherever it is, this waffle is constantly getting more and more expensive the more that you're not sure whether you're going to take a bite or not or leave it. And unfortunately, at some point, there will be a, there will be a point where that decision is taken out from underneath you because you just haven't decided whether you're going to buy it or not. And at some point, they're either going to say, that waffle, you have to buy it now, or you're not allowed to buy it, right? And that choice is removed from you. So 
you know, from a decision-maker perspective is understanding what are all the elements to go and get rid of that waffling. And so that, you, I'd say, raising up of the language and uh, the data that the leaders need to be able to make decisions, that's absolutely something that needs to be looked at and understand. And usually setting that up front of here's all the things we have, here's what we don't have, you know, getting that idea and clarity of what they want is very important. And the same thing with your team. But I would also say there are also things that maybe the team doesn't need to be aware of, right? And finding that right balance of what's noise and what's useful is always something that I think also comes from team culture and the corporate culture. Because very much so I develop a team culture, but it may not necessarily align 100% to the corporate culture, right? If a corporate culture is all suit and tie, you know, all, all ready to go with all those things that may not necessarily gel with how I'm building the team culture and how that team needs to respond to the outside culture. They also need to be communicated with of how do they communicate out as well, right? Because somebody could come by their office and ask them certain questions. And they'll, if they're not aware of that conflict, then you could be continuing to create more noise. And that's always a problem because then all of a sudden you're trying to go and solve for the noise rather than delivering value. Danny, I appreciate that. I, I would say when I was finishing my master's degree, uh, I'm not gonna say how long ago, it was a while ago. <laughs> uh, one of the things we talk about uh, when it comes to communication, the, the various forms of communication, the very, various forms of noise. Uh, and sometimes we forget that, right? Noise could be any distraction around you. It could be the sound, it could be the color, whatever, it could be the lights. There could be all sorts of noise. And I appreciate you bringing that up. So you recently stated that back in your city, you attended their latest uh, PMI event. What are the, what are the, you consider the latest trends or what's changing in the PMI landscape, the PM landscape today, and how can that be applicable to what's going on in our world when it comes to this pandemic? We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a particular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. I think a lot of it is 
how to go and leverage the project management frameworks to be more broad in terms of how you problem solve, mm. right? So how you think like an entrepreneur, how do you have innovative mindset? How do you communicate better, right? And in my mind, it's, it's integrating a lot of these other leadership activities into what people are doing. And, you know, I, 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 no knock against the profession. A lot of the project management group are very type A people, right? Do this, then this, then this, then this. And it's almost enabling them with those power skills to be getting a team to not only deliver on this and this and this and this, but everyone grows as well. Everyone wins. And, you know, you, you either enable to make the organizations or people go and make better decisions faster, or you're at least delivering the value of what that dream looks like, right? This is David Ben. I appreciate you sharing that. And it's, it's important to know that even as we're coming through this health pandemic, we've got to continue to learn and evolve and set our people up for success. And at the very beginning, we talked about the Christmas time or the holidays, you're wrapping gifts and trying to put things together. How can someone apply these principles, the project management principles, and really the mindset of what a project manager is or project manager uh, in terms of what they do to pretty much any industry, any sector, any type of arena, how can they take that and apply it to where they are? Well, that's a great question because when I think about that Christmas example you give up, I also think about an old joke about how you find out whether you're going to marry your partner or not by trying to put Ikea furniture together. Right. If you guys can't pull that cabinet, I don't know if you guys should be getting married or not. Right. That's, that's kind of the old joke, but I think the way that people think about project management and how to go and deliver, you can use that in any facet. Like for myself, um, I would say I'm a broad generalist. I've worked in many different industries. I've worked with many different methodologies. And to me, it's always been that cross pollination of how do you execute, right? And how you apply it within your personal life, I think it's just figuring out what is it about that structure or process that helps you get things done, right? I would say a lot of us can be huge procrastinators because, you know, we have our, well, we have our New Year's resolutions coming up, right? And how are you going to go and get those done? I would say those resolutions don't have any steps behind them. Mm -hmm. there's a resolution of, I want to lose weight. I want to be more fit. I want to read more. I want to do this. I want to do that, but there's no plan behind it. And if everyone instead maybe puts together new year's projects that define, what are you trying to go and achieve that, it, that also define why you want to go and achieve it and lay up the steps you want to be able to go and do to get it. And now whether you want to do it in an agile format or a waterfall and set your milestones, your release dates, whatever it is, right? Hey, look, it's been on 2022 on March and I'm releasing my new body out to the world to see whether you can see my abs or not, right? You know, maybe that's your sprint that you're aiming for, right? But that application of trying to go and hit these small achievements to be able to reach the big ones is going to be key. And I'd say, for me, like I ran my first marathon this year and it all took just the steps and, and, 
and even some encouragement from friends like that to be able to get me ready to, to run that. If I said, I'm going to run a marathon, but have no plan around it, well, I'm probably not running it, right? And so being able to go and understand the whys of what you want to be able to do also helps to go and drive that. And I also want to say that I actually, for myself, don't set New Year's resolutions. I set New Year's objectives of what I want to go and achieve. So rather than saying, I want to go and make this amount of money or whatever it is, you know, my objective is to build more relationships. If I build more relationships, the downstream impacts are that I could possibly have more opportunities. It could increase my income. I could also meet a ton more people and broaden my network. And those become all side effects to me building stronger relationships or building more relationships with people, right? And I'm not going to try and quantify that with just 10 people or 100 people or any of those things, you know, as of yet. It's just build more relationships. And this is David again. I'm going to tell you something. I love that. And Dan and I do a special on New Year's resolutions, New Year's goals. We will say, let's keep it simple. Don't, don't do more than like three because what happens, you get discouraged. But I love the, the, the idea of saying, let's look at it differently. Instead of saying New Year's resolutions, let's look at New Year's objectives. And then that gives you the frame of mind to say, let's break that down and how we're going to make that happen. I mean, just like you said, you can't just run a marathon by getting out of bed tomorrow and say, I'm going to do this. You got to map it out. You got to plan it out. You got to build your stamina. You got to build the right routine, the right uh, a way to approach the race. Maybe the first five miles you're running at this pace, the next five miles you're running at that pace. And you're learning how to do that, but you're pulling other resources to make that happen. I think that's fascinating. Absolutely. I, I've got to ask this though, real quick, your Organized Chaos Cafe podcast. Tell us yes. a little bit about the podcast, what you're doing and what your goal behind your podcast. Yeah, I would say at first it started out as a bit of, pandemic boredom and I've always thought about trying to go and start a podcast because a lot of podcasts are very I'll say executive speaking when we talk about projects and things like that right they seem to be all aimed at the c-level suite and things like that and I was kind of like oh man I just want to have like ground level conversations on things talking about people's stories or you know books that I've read and and just kind of just my insights, whether they're really insightful or not. I don't know. I'll leave that to the listeners to be able to judge that. But it's just trying to understand people's stories and not get tied up into, I'll say, you know, C-speak, right? And so I remember even like, I, I believe it was my second episode um, during the pandemic, all the kids had kind of been sent home and things like that. And we were we were trying to go talk about, you know, now you might be going back to a slightly different format of school. How's that all going to be going through? And I interviewed my son. He's, he, I think he was six at the time. And so just understanding, you know, what are his thoughts on change and how is he dealing with it and the processes and what's his thought around that? Because I think whether you're doing that from a kid's level or doing something else completely different, like I had a, I, I interviewed one friend who's a Canadian barbecue champion. She's an Asian female though, very atypical. So how does she go about using project management in the way that she cooks, the way that she barbecues and things like that, right? So just really great conversations where we can see not just project management, but 
project leadership show up in different people's stories? And this is David. I want to tell you, I love it. And by the way, for those of you that are listening, be sure to check out Organized Chaos Cafe. And you're going to be intrigued because of the wording, organized and chaos. It's kind of like opposites, but that's what his world is. He takes the chaotic, the things that seem like they're out of place. How do we get all these moving pieces together? And he makes it work. That's why it's organized chaos. And you got to love the setting of the cafe. Who doesn't love being at a cafe, having a cup of coffee? You're more relaxed at a cafe. That's why he engages conversations in that format, in that way. So Ben, on behalf of my twin brother, Danny, I want to thank you for sharing your insight, sharing the value that a good project manager can bring to a team, and also to be able to share insight about why we should apply these principles, not just to certain industries or certain sectors, but to any project, any sector. And by the way, I want to tell you out here, if you're getting ready to unwrap that gift, don't lose your mind. There are directions there for a reason. And guess what? You can pick up the phone, call a friend, call a family member, or maybe reach out to Ben and he'll guide you through making sure that present gets in your child's lap happy. So Ben, thank you for joining us. We look forward to having you back on to the Twins Talking Up program, bud. All right, no problem. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talking Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSB Leadership and visit us online at dsbleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.